Hey there, this is episode two of the Balance Fi podcast. Six easy self-care ideas for busy people. Welcome to the Balance Fi podcast, where we talk about balancing intentional debt payoff, saving money, and actually living your life. I'm your host, Raylia, small business owner, wife, girl mom, nonprofit co-founder, and money nerd. This is an audio version of the Balanced Five blog because I know how hard it is to find time to sit down and read literally anything. Instead, you can get quick bits of money knowledge on the go. I want to help you learn to control your money instead of letting your money control you. Let's get started. I'm recording this in May of 2021. If the last year and a half has taught us anything, it's the importance of mental health and easy self-care. 2020 was a dumpster fire of a year. 2021 hasn't been that much better, especially for my little family. Uh, We lost our 11-year-old yellow lab, Hallie, in February. So things have been pretty hard around here. And that's why I wanted to put this episode out as one of my first ones because mental health is so important. Mental health and self-care can really make a difference in the way you approach every day, uh, your overall sense of well-being, and the way that you interact with other people. So I'm giving you six easy steps for self-care, even when you're super busy, because I'm super busy, so I get it. Uh, I am a stay-at-home mom to my five-year-old, who has multiple disabilities, and my two-year-old, who is, let's say, spirited. (laughs) She is definitely a, a new and different challenge. And on top of that, I have a bookkeeping business. I am a wife. I try to keep our house presentable and feed my kids. And I'm running the blog slash podcast. So I know what busy is and I know how difficult it is to fit time for yourself into that schedule. However, that also means that I know how important it is to make time for yourself. That's why my tips here are pretty accessible and they have a low barrier to entry. So tip number one, try meditation. My counselor actually recommended meditation as a way to manage my newfound anxiety. At that point, I was the mom <laughs> to a, an 18-month-old who literally never stopped talking. She still doesn't, but she's older now. I mean, that's changed. Uh, I honestly laughed at her suggestion. Like, who has the time or just the peace to sit in silence? I have too much to do, and it's nearly impossible to turn my brain off. To stop that to-do list is always constantly running. I'm sure other moms have that list going, too. But that's the point. Your brain needs a break. Your brain needs that downtime, that quiet, beyond sleep. There are so many things to worry about, to get done, to plan out. Just take one minute to try meditation. 
work up to 10 or 15 minutes slowly. I found that meditation is almost a learned skill. You're not going to sit down and just meditate successfully for 15 minutes that first day. Honestly, I started with one minute at a time and it was hard. I had to like strive to turn my brain off and mostly that was just me thinking, quit thinking, and that's not super effective. Over time, I have learned to meditate better than that and I'm up to about 10 minutes now. The last time I meditated, I set my timer for 10 minutes and I was honestly pretty shocked when the time ran out. I was like, that, that was so fast. And it has honestly helped me. Meditation can help manage stress and anxiety, ground you, and increase self-awareness. It's also one of the most accessible, easy self-care options. So I personally refuse to pay for a subscription because we are in debt payoff mode, but if you're so inclined, Calm and Headspace are both highly recommended meditation apps. I checked them both out using the free version and they're fine, but I have really liked the mindfulness app because it has free timed meditations. The other two don't have as many free options. At this stage of life, I can carve out, you know, up to 10 minutes of quiet at a time, and that's good enough. I usually end up meditating either while my kids are sleeping, like at nap time or after they go to bed, or I put in both of my AirPods instead of just one and turn on a TV show that they enjoy <laughs> and just meditate on the couch while they watch TV and entertain themselves for a little bit. I am still aware enough to keep them alive and safe, but I am able to tune them out enough to get some good inner peace going. So if you're interested, just look for mindfulness in your app store. That is definitely my favorite free app at this point. Number two, talk to someone. By someone, I mean a licensed counselor, therapist, psychologist, whatever. If that's way too far out your, outside of your comfort zone, find a supportive friend or family member. I highly, highly recommend working your way up to professional help, even if it takes you a while to feel comfortable with that level of assistance. I've been seeing the same counselor for years and years now. I can't even remember when I started seeing her, but it's probably been close to 10 years. She has helped me through two stressful pregnancies, my daughter's many diagnoses, hospitalizations, therapies, etc. The strains on my marriage throughout it all, my own diagnosis of Crohn's disease, and just feeling unwell. She's been there for everything. And she's given me a lot of helpful tools to help me deal with my feelings and my reaction to those feelings. She's helped me become a better person, a better mom, a better wife. To find a counselor or therapist for yourself, first consult your insurance plan for a list of in-network providers. If you feel comfortable doing so, I'd also recommend asking local friends and family for recommendations. 
hopefully some of the names between your insurance provider list and your friend recommendation list will overlap. You can also look at Psychology Today's website. They have a pretty handy find a therapist tool. It may take a couple tries to find someone you really click with. Don't give up. Therapy can improve every relationship in your life, as well as your general outlook and coping abilities. And if you're concerned about the time commitment, many professionals are offering telehealth or phone appointments now, and most insurance is still covering that. Hopefully, the health insurance companies will continue to provide coverage for those appointments, even after COVID is a distant memory. The main takeaway here, though, is even if you don't click with the first therapist you try, keep trying. Don't give up on yourself. Uh, it's not always going to be easy to find the right fit for you, the right person that you feel safe with and you can just open up to, but it is worth it in the end. Number three, try medication. Obviously, consult your doctor and follow their recommendations. But there is no shame in taking medication to help you cope and function and feel better. According to the Harvard Health blog, one in 10 Americans takes an antidepressant. Those figures are from 2005 to 2008, so I'm about 97% sure that that percentage has increased dramatically since 2020. It's also important to remember that the first medication you try may not be the best fit. It's just like a therapist. You have to find what works best for you. It's pretty common to need to adjust the dosage schedule or the prescription itself. Keep trying until you find something that helps you live your best life. I acknowledge that counseling and medication may not seem like easy self-care. They're both big steps financially, from a time perspective, and mentally, but they can be so beneficial. For me, both have been worth it. So talk to your doctor now if you feel like you need some help. Honestly, there's no shame in reaching out and getting help, whether it's counseling or medication or both. This episode is brought to you by your Streamlined Debt Plan from Balanced By, the guide you need to prioritize your debts, make a plan, and get started. And this free offer helps you create a personalized debt payoff plan if you are stressed about your debt, ready to pay off your debt, unsure of where to start, or uncertain about all of your debts. So what's included? And this free workbook includes everything you need to know about prioritizing your debt payoff, how to find all your debts, what information you need, how to actually use the three most common debt payoff methods, how to find your rolling debt payment amount, and the steps needed to speed up your debt payoff. You can download your free copy of your streamlined debt plan at balancedfi.com ysdp. That is short for your streamlined debt plan. Tip number four, limit your social media consumption. I know it can be really easy and tempting to just spend hours on your phone 
mindlessly refreshing your Facebook feed or scrolling through Instagram photos. But is it healthy? Honestly, not really. In the show notes, I'm going to link to a Forbes article that has a great breakdown of the mental health effects of social media if you're interested in diving in more. I get the deep felt need to just not think so much, the overwhelm of the world, just the addictive draw of spending so much time on your phone. I really do. That has led me to putting limits on my Facebook consumption. That's the only social media platform that I'm active on personally, uh, outside of my business stuff. And that was just for my mental health. It was becoming way too much for me seeing reports of rising COVID numbers and political divisiveness. So I actually put that limit on my Facebook app back in probably June of 2020. And I still have it on there 11 months later. So my solution was setting an app limit for Facebook on my iPhone. I don't know if Androids have a similar setting, but it has been a game changer for me. So on an iPhone, you just go to settings, screen time, app limits, and you can set different limits for different apps. I allow myself an hour of Facebook each day. Some days I ignore the alert and I just keep scrolling and refreshing, but it's a good reminder that I've spent a lot of time on that app. It has definitely made me more mindful of how I spend my downtime. I would much rather interact with my kids than just exist next to them. Limiting social media can be hard mentally, but clicking the button to delete Facebook from your phone is a super easy self-care step. By that, I mean literally delete whatever app it is that is stressing you out every morning. And then after you have either you know, gone until you know, 5 o'clock without that app, you can log in, you know, re-download it, log in, check things out, and then delete it again. Or maybe you just delete it permanently. There is a lot of good that comes from social media. I mean, I'm active on different platforms for my business, but there's also a lot of stress that originates from social media. So you need to pay attention to how you are reacting, how you're feeling about these different apps, these different platforms, and make a healthy decision for yourself. Number five is to get good sleep. I'm also going to link to an article from Headspace in the show notes. It has a great list of tips for good sleep hygiene. I definitely cannot pretend to be an expert here, especially since having kids. My sleep has gone way downhill, but I'm working on improving it. One of my main focuses right now is reducing blue light exposure in the evenings by using blue light blocking glasses when I'm on my computer, since I do most of my work in the evenings after the kids are in bed. And I have started reading in bed on a Kindle Oasis, which has a warmer light setting instead of using my phone with the Kindle app. I don't know if it really helps, but it makes me feel like I'm doing something to get better sleep. You can also keep your room cool, avoid daytime naps, and not eat 
close to bedtime for some other pretty easy steps to take. Avoiding alcohol and caffeine as a parent is really a struggle for me, but it's something to also consider trying out. Good sleep is not necessarily easy self-care unless you can figure out the source of your problems, but it is worth trying. I know I definitely feel better after getting enough sleep on the rare occasion that that happens, so give it a shot. My last tip, number six, is to make a point to take a break. So after 11 years of marriage and 14 years of togetherness, my husband and I have started to pick out our own gifts. Yes, it does take the excitement out of holidays, but it also ensures that we receive something we actually want. I guarantee I would never pick out the correct hunting accessory, and it's a lot easier and less stressful for me if he just chooses what he wants, orders it, and tells me he appreciates the gift. So for the last two Mother's Days, the gift I chose was alone time. My husband has an odd, ever-changing schedule, so I spend a lot of time alone with the girls, and he is helpful when he's home, but he's not home on a consistent schedule. It changes, you know, every six months to a year, and he has weird hours, so he's not home for breakfast and dinner with the kids. I do a lot of things on my own with them including just today I drove both girls two hours one way for my older daughter's medical appointment. It was a 20-minute appointment, four hours of driving with two kids, and that's just our life. That's how things work out, and that's fine, but I do need a break. So I have chosen for my Mother's Day gifts two years in a row now to just have alone time. When my husband has two days off in a row, I have checked into a hotel on that first night all alone. Just alone in quiet, nobody needing me or asking for anything and no baby monitor to listen to as I slept. I didn't come home either time until the next morning at checkout time. And it was honestly just glorious. I am shocked at how much better I feel after 16 hours of quiet lounging with no responsibilities. Spending $100 on a technically unnecessary hotel stay may not seem very budget conscious, but the mental health benefits were definitely worth it to me. Other ways to get a break are, you know, go for a walk alone, call a friend, even if you have to hide from your kids while you do it, binge murder shows and drink wine after bedtime. Whatever it is, do it for yourself. The world won't stop turning if you don't do the dishes one night, but your mental health may suffer if you resentfully do the dishes every single night. I also have a bonus tip for you. It's important to know that easy self-care is not buying groceries alone or with just one kid. Easy self-care is not showering. 
easy self-care is not running errands. Those are activities of everyday life, not caring for yourself. I'm going to link to an article from Motherly that really opened my eyes to the problems moms have with confusing the two. Life is never going to be easy, so you have to put your you first. That's super hard, especially for moms, but it's so, so important. Your mental health affects those around you too, even if you think it's under control or not that bad. Just as a reminder, I want you to know that if you feel like you're in crisis, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You're worth it. To recap, let's run through those six easy self-care tips for busy people one more time. One, tram meditation. Two, talk to someone. Three, try medication. Four, limit your social media consumption. Five, get good sleep. And six, make a point to take a break. Your bonus tip is remembering that self-care is not the same thing as activities of everyday life. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy the Balance 5 podcast, I'd be so grateful if you left us a review on iTunes or told a friend. As always, you can head to balancedfi.com to connect with me and stay in touch. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at balancedfi. Until next time, stay intentional and look for balance.